One of the keys to successful treatment at Sierra Tucson is for residents to be their most authentic selves. But what does that mean and how do we do that? Joining me today to explain what it means to be authentic and how they can help residents to be successful in their treatment is Corey Silva, he's a counselor at Sierra Tucson, and Carly Button, she's an activity therapist at Sierra Tucson. This is Let's Talk Mind, Body, Spirit by Sierra Tucson. Sierra Tucson, a leader in the field of behavioral health care since 1983. I'm Scott Webb. I want to thank you both for joining me today. Essentially, we're going to talk about being authentic in residential treatment and what that means and how to do it and so on. Before we get there, though, Corey, tell me a little bit about yourself and your experience. How'd you end up at Sierra Tucson? I was able to get my life back together. I went back to school, got some degrees, and kind of wanted to make an impact on the world. And I kind of happened to stumble at Sierra Tucson where I've been really able to grow a lot as a clinician, kind of help develop new programs, new tracks, to kind of develop LGBTQIA plus programming that we do here. So it's been a really cool ride. And I'm a person who's incredibly flawed, who just wanted to make the flaws worthwhile. That's a good point. I like that. So for me, I came to Sierra Tucson because I wanted to be an adventure therapist. When I was 16 years old, I went to a wilderness program and that was one of the most intense and powerful and life-changing experiences of my life. I was really pulled from, you know, society and learned how to discover who my true self was and love that person. And I was so inspired by what I learned through my time in wilderness that I wanted to be a therapist. So I got my master's and I did so much research and wilderness therapy. And so when I saw that Sierra Tucson had a adventure department and was looking for an adventure therapist, it felt like my dream job. Hmm. So I love being here and I'm so grateful to be able to do what I love. Yeah, it's really kind of interesting the way that residential settings work is being able to develop the relationships that we develop with the residents. They think that this type of industry, when we are in a residential setting, you kind of are being mirrored by the residents. So like you understand where they are in their journey if you've been through the same type of issues. You understand like kind of what shame and living a lie and having to wear all these masks look like. And I think that's kind of the importance of authenticity, right? Cause like authenticity is about being incredibly comfortable with vulnerability. And I think most of us are definitely not comfortable with that. That's why we all wear a mask to the world. Mm. We all want to be perceived in certain ways, which is why, you know, authenticity can sometimes be really hard for people. Mm. It's always about living up to expectations and being able to come to a place like Sierra Tucson, where we can see residents kind of in different parts of their journey. We can kind of start seeing those masks start to rip apart and like start to dissolve and having people be able to really identify what their own values are and what matters to them and what influences them and, and what makes them happy. Ultimately, that's what we're here to do, right? Is to chase happiness and growth. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And Carly, wondering when we talk about the residents and think about them, what's your relationship like with them? You know, maybe you can take us through that. How do you interact and guide and just be a part of their everyday yeah. lives for that period of time that they're there? Yeah. So for me and the adventure department, I get to take residents on adventure themed groups. So sometimes we go on hikes, sometimes we do indoor like problem solving and team building activities. And I also have the privilege of being able to get to know residents in the milieu and the RTs are super awesome and allow me to go join some groups sometimes. 
So I have the blessing of being able to kind of move around a little bit, which is really fun. And yeah. being able to get to know residents through like a lecture. Like I've had some residents after my lecture approach me and share that they really connected with some of the material that I lectured on. And then we end up having like a little side relationship. Some of them, mm. I've had some residents that come up to me because they want to learn more about like logotherapy or philosophy. Like I teach a lot about philosophy and sure. then some people are really passionate about that and they want to learn about that. I have relationships with residents in a lot of different ways and I definitely enjoy when, you know, sometimes it is like we'll just have them in a group and then I don't see them again, but sometimes I get to see them a couple times. Sure. Or on Saturdays when I lead a hike, that's always really fun too. <laughs> yeah, Corey, is it difficult, you know, because folks are generally there on these 30-day tracks, so they're not there very long. Is it difficult for you, just like as a person, you know, that you begin to build these relationships and then they leave and then a new group comes in? Maybe you can just sort of share with us your role and how you interact and how you sort of deal with the fact that there's always new people coming in. You know, it's really interesting. Every 30 days we get a completely new milieu and every milieu is different. And yeah. when one new person comes in, it really changes the whole environment. You know, I started off as an RT and a residential therapist, excuse me, and now I'm an associate director of residential experience. So I've been able to kind of see, you know, people come in and out, in and out through very different scopes. And it's really cool to see people, you know, who leave here in a really good headspace and who are able to achieve long-term recovery, whether it's from substances or mood disorders or whatever it may be. But what's even better to see is when people who struggled and they came back and they're mm. happy to be back and they understand that they have a place in the world and that just because they struggled doesn't make them a failure doesn't mean that they have to you know live in that shame we're really yeah. good about de-shaming all of this stuff and mm. i think that's the most cool interesting thing to see is when people come back and how desperate they are to come back and that they're lucky enough to be alive to come back yeah, I like that. And I agree as well. Like, you know, 30 days is not a ton of time to really unwrap a lot of the darkness and things that have happened to people throughout their lives. So being able to come to a place like Sierra Tucson and remove all of it, like Corey was saying, the masks from outside world and be able to really just be your true raw self yeah. is huge. And I think we all think that the work really does get done here through that process. Yeah, and Corey, when we think about sort of being unapologetic, right, so being our unapologetic selves in treatment, what does that mean? Can you define that for us, for listeners? And then how do you incorporate that into the treatment journey? How do you help folks incorporate their unapologetic selves into their journey? Oh, I love this question. Being unapologetically yourself is probably one of the most vital, most important things that people need to really be able to achieve and do comfortably in order to achieve any form of recovery. You know, I think people are going to define being unapologetically yourself in various ways. For me, being unapologetically yourself is quite frankly living your life by your own rule book and not using other people's rules to guide your life. It's about really understanding what your values are, what you stand up for, what you care about, who influences you. It's about understanding your emotions and it's about being okay with emotions. You know, I think sometimes we live in a society where we have such little resilience to any type of negativity that we're taught that we should panic or feel shame or crumble when, you know, we're not feeling well or 
don't have positive emotions, but it's quite the contrary. We need to really kind of embrace all emotions, good and bad, because they all serve a purpose. We really need to understand our value system because until we are able to live our life under our own values, under our own rules, then we're only going to be living a life full of self-judgment and shame. Because anytime we live outside of our value system, that's where that self-judgment comes in. So it's absolutely vital to really understand ourselves in order to be able to be unapologetically yourself. You know, one of the things that was really difficult for me to understand was I don't need other people's approval to be okay with myself. Hmm. I know it sounds really simple, but like, you know, some of us have some savory upbringings and we get into these codependencies or we get into like covert emotional incest type of relationships where our whole value is dependent on somebody else's opinion of you. Yeah. And you cannot really develop your sense of self until you're able to validate yourself. So I fully believe in living life unapologetically because we don't have to ask anyone to make room for us at the table. That that table's ours. It's the world's. We're here to live. So, yeah. Yeah, and Carly, you know, we were talking about, you know, it's only a 30-day track and folks may be back. And for some of you, I'm sure the ones that you really enjoyed working with, you're happy to see them and happy to work with them. But I'm sure in just that 30 days, it's hard for folks to be as honest as they really need to be, right? I'm sure that there's a big emphasis on being as authentic as possible in therapy, to work through traumas, to get the most done that they can in those 30 days, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and being able to be authentic during that time, just really to reiterate kind of what Corey was just saying, like the values piece is just so huge. In existentialism, they really emphasize that your values are what make you who you are. And being able to be authentic in therapy and while working through trauma involves first, you know, being able to identify and align all of your actions and choices with what those values are. And then being able to listen to your gut and I have some friends that they say things like, I have gut issues. What do you mean? I can't listen to my gut. But, <laughs> it's bad. It's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I can't listen to it. But right. your gut knows what it's talking about. And being able to trust your gut and trust the voice on the inside of your head that's protecting your inner protector too is huge. 100% because the gut, you know, our instincts, I call it the juju. Mm. Our juju, by the time it got to us, it's been finely tuned. And every time we don't listen to our gut, at least in my experience, it's always been very messy. I look back at my dating life in my 20s, and it was nothing but losers and scumbags, right? But it's because I went against my gut. And I think it's really important to have that trust within ourselves in order to not make those same patterns. Yeah, I really like that too. And being able to allow feelings as they come up too. I think a lot of the times when we have emotions, people either, you know, I'm somebody that I've learned how to really just allow myself to feel the feelings that I have. And I encourage that for residents as well, but also not allowing it to take over or, you know, taking over your sense of self at the end of the day is you're always in control, but just really listening to what your body needs and what your heart needs in the moment. Because, you know, a lot of the times, all the time we listen to other people and people in the milieu and our family, but what do we need, you know? It's so interesting because, you know, you were talking about people say, well, trust your gut. Well, what if my gut's always wrong? Well, I sort of feel like at least it's my gut, right? I'm relying mm. on myself and my gut. And if my gut leads me astray, well, that's on me and my gut. But as you say, 
trying to make everyone else happy, right, Corey? Trying to do things Mm -hmm. other people's way, the quote-unquote right way. You know what? Sometimes you do have to just kind of trust your gut and hope that your gut, Mm -hmm. you know, you're working together and you're in sync, right? A hundred percent. I think that like a lot of times when we don't follow our gut instinct, at least from my experience, it's because I haven't understood the emotion. You know, remember my first year in recovery and it was like a Friday night and I was going to sleep like at 930 and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, who the hell am I? (laughs) Right. I was like, I am the kid who was 13, like dancing on tables. You know what I mean? I grew up in Mexico. (laughs) So like I had a fake ID since eighth grade (laughs) and uh, I could have sworn that I was just being complacent and I was like stuck in a rut. And it turns out I was just feeling content, but I just never felt that before. Mm. So I went back out, you know what I mean? And with a bang, but it's important to really understand our emotions and why we're feeling what we're feeling and what's triggering those feelings in order for us to really understand ourselves. And, you know, trauma stunts us emotionally. So sometimes we have the emotional depth of a puddle and it's really important to, you know, turn that puddle into a pool. That that would look good on a t-shirt. Turn that puddle into a pool. I love it. Amen. Yeah, Carly, what is negative self-talk? You know, I was just putting some notes together for today, and I wanted to ask you about that. What is that, and what are some of the ways that we can work on negative self-talk? Yeah, so negative self-talk is that voice in your head that says that you're not good enough, that voice in your head that really just, you know, has everything and anything negative and dark to say about you and your experience in the world. And for a lot of people, that takes over. And negative self-talk comes from anxiety and it comes from wanting to be prepared for things. It's not a bad thing sometimes, like having that voice in the back of your head, but it's being able to have a relationship with it where it doesn't take over and acknowledging it while being in control. And so some ways that I have this little sheet in front of me that Mm -hmm. I like to use with some residents and clients that I've had in the past for when they're having, and I even do this with myself, when I'm having really big thoughts. And part it involves drawing a little triangle. And then the left corner of the triangle, you write what the thought is that you're having in the moment. So let's say I'm worrying about my finances or I'm worried if this person will text me back or something like that. And then the top part of the triangle, you'd write down what feelings you're having, all of the different feelings. And so let's say I'm talking about my finances. I'm feeling anxious feeling stressed, I'm worried, I'm sad, I'm scared, blah, blah, blah. And then the next point of the triangle is the most important part. And it says two different things. One, it says, what can I do in this moment to help me? And a lot of the times, you know, if you're up late at night and you're having these negative thoughts or you're worrying about X, Y, and Z, nine times out of 10, there's really not much that you can actually do in the moment. But sometimes there is, you know, maybe there's a job you can apply for. Maybe there's somebody that you can go give a call to. So you do those things and then you ask yourself, how is this useful? How is focusing on this thought helping me in this moment? And like I said, maybe you could argue that it's good for me to be thinking these kind of things right now because it helps me be safe or blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Like I said, nine times out of 10, the conclusion that you'll get to is no, it's not helping me in this moment. While I'm up late at night and I'm trying to go to sleep, this is not the time for me to be worrying about X, Y, and Z or thinking about every bad thing that I've ever did since I was in second grade. (laughs) That's a lot to tackle in any one night, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. And that's when it loves to come out the most. Of course, right. So that's kind of using DBT and CBT in a way, like being able to ride the wave and identify the thought while it happens and do some opposite action too. That's awesome. 
100%. I feel like the negative self-talk is all about like learned behaviors. I mean, I know for me, I'm a really big negative self-talker. Like it's just a part of my experiences in the world and I'm hypercritical of myself. I'm perfectionist. I like to get things done and I have extremely unrealistic high standards for myself and for everything that I do. And because of that, you know, I really struggle with the negative self-talk until I started working with Kristen Neff's self-compassion workbook and books. There's a whole bunch of stuff on Kristen Neff. It's just really understanding that the negative core beliefs that we may have of ourselves, one, they're a learned behavior, they're based on perception, but also too, like most people, like we have things about ourselves that we don't like. We have done things that we regret. And we have to remember that part of being human is to kind of suffer mm -hmm. and to kind of go through those processes. Or we have to remember that in order for us to be authentic and to get rid of this negative self-talk and these negative core beliefs, we have to stop judging ourselves for having these thoughts to begin yeah. with because it's a learned behavior. You don't come out of the womb like, hey, don't love me. You know what I mean? I love that. I'll just add to, you know, like I said, a lot of the work that I do is in existentialism. And so they say that we have to have suffering and darkness and these negative thoughts because it's what gives the good and the light value and yeah. reason. And so a lot of the times too, and I'm having clients or even myself in the negative self-talk and in the dark zone, you think about things like the law of rhythm. I love, and it's one of the laws of the universe that says what goes up must come down. So in those dark moments, when you're having all of the depression thoughts come up or the darkness that this is temporary, I won't be here forever and that's right. okay. Wondering, Corey, are there some mantras or words of wisdom that you teach <laughs> residents? I'm sure there are. I feel like you've got, you know, a pool to a pond and all that. Maybe you can share some of them as we get close to wrapping up here. I am very non-traditional in my way of teaching and in my way of doing things. I am not a cookie cutter person. So I firmly believe that if we're going to use mantras. They should be in your language and they should be something that's believable for you. You know, when we feel like we're a horrible, disgusting human being saying, I am worthy and I am loved might not be for you. We might not be there yet. So for me, I believe that mantras need to go at a kind of a pace where it's like, if the original thought is I suck, then maybe the second one is like, I'm not that bad. Or it could be worse. One of my personal mantras, it's like, it ain't that deep. <laughs> it ain't that deep. It's it going to change my, you know safety or financial status or happiness or whatever it is no probably not because luckily like i um afford my life on my own i don't need nobody because these four walls are mine and i pay for them and that's okay right and right. i struggle sometimes with anger issues because i'm slightly dramatic and always kind of in a little bit of a fight flight freeze response right <laughs> so one of my other favorite mantras is like don't catch a case because sometimes, mm. you know, people be trying you on the streets, you know that what I mean? That they do. <laughs> like... They do be trying. <laughs> so it's like, don't catch a case, you know what I mean? Love it. I'll add, I can hear you giving me some good Beyonce quotes in the back of my I got head. you, boo. Amazing. And I'll add for me too. Big one has been for me in general, it's just been I'm safe. Because your body, when we're having anxiety or anger or what have you, it's your body reacting to a state of panic and fear or danger. So reminding yourself that your body is safe. You're here. You're not having a bear chase you in the woods. Your amygdala brain doesn't need to take over right now. Yeah. I got this and I'm in control. I also have on my computer, just in a little sticky note so I get to look at it every day, the universe is bringing good things my way and I am already thankful for them. My mm. wildest dreams are coming true and I'm in the right place at the right time. Yeah. 
She does actually speak that way. I can vouch for that. <laughs> she only speaks in mantras. Yes. A little bit, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, you need to take a seat, honey. Thank you. <laughs> and then I, I do like... a little witch finger, and then I run away. We, I feel like we could do an entire podcast just on the importance of Beyonce and her lyrics Amen. in yes. people's lives. We'll try to talk to Jasmine. Maybe we can do that some other time. This has been really helpful and fun today. I love this run that we've been on with Sierra Tucson, having two guests at a time where we can have some real conversations and kind mm-hmm. of roll up our sleeves a little bit. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done during those 30 days, but good to know always that residents there, that clients there have folks like yourselves and your diverse and amazing backgrounds and your mantras and Beyonce and all that good stuff. (laughs) So uh, I just want to thank you both. Nice meeting you. Nice speaking with you today. You both stay well. Thank you. Thank you. And for more information, go to SierraTucson.com. And if you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the full podcast library for additional topics of interest. This is Let's Talk Mind, Body, Spirit from Sierra Tucson. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well.